So, Robert, this year is Fortable Z's 45th birthday, uh, which coincides, I believe, with your 45th year of making music. Do you remember when you first heard about Fortable Z? 1975 was the first year that I was a student. Uh, so I was at um, the University of Queensland, and at that time, 4ZZZ was situated on campus. So I was aware of 4ZZZ's existence, of course, and I listened to it. Pretty much from the start, I used to walk past it every day. What do you remember about the kind of music that they were playing at the time? It was wildly eclectic because 1975 and 76 to an extent was before punk. And like in 77 um, and 78, the station pretty much generally went totally punk, you know, both on air and off air. But before that, in 75, it was still a bit hippie. And the music was very broad, which I liked, actually. So you had people playing British rock, like, um, you know, Led Zeppelin, etc., Bowie and Roxy and folk, British folk, all the way over to L.A. West Coast rock, singer-songwriter, some reggae, a little bit of funk, to probably sort of more East Coast um, New York stuff. So it was very varied um, and, you know, like also, you know, like probably, I know that's why I heard like people like Guy Clark, which would fall into the sort of singer-songwriter thing, but that was more like even more country style. You know, and prog, so you still hear prog being played, um, Little Feet, all of that sort of um, stuff, you know, very broad. So uh, quite a variety, but was uh, was there a lot of local music being played? Well, that's why I first heard the Saints. Um, I would say not much at all, which is why when when I heard uh, there used to be a guy called Bill Reiner, who was an American guy, who was on I, when I first heard him play the Saints, he was on. He had a night session, and so you know he could he could go from someone like say Weather Report. Uh, to Little Feet, to Led Zeppelin, to Joni Mitchell, to playing the Saints Unstranded. You know, it, it, it was he he brought in a little Bill Reiner brought in a little bit of that West Coast you know FM uh, world, and and he he sounded like you know he should be on you know like like San Francisco um, you know funky FM station. That's that's the way he sounded. And so it was one night in 76, uh, it must have been around April, when, May maybe, um, when I was at, at home, you know, like living with my parents in the Gap, when he played I'm Stranded by the Saints, which just completely shattered me. You know, like I, I was just, I was just starting to play guitar then and had a, a, like a group that um, had just started, but we weren't playing gigs. And so the fact that this was a Brisbane band putting out a record as insanely good as that. And then at the end of it, Bill said, you know, you can get copies of the record in a discreet records, you know, in Elizabeth Arcade in town, which was a record store that I visited. So I knew exactly what he's talking about. And the next day I went in and, and bought it. There was a carton of them on the, um, on the counter. 
the original fatal, you know, like pressings, the first pressings of the record was in there. So, you know, like, like through, you know, Foot Triple said, through, through, you know, Bill Reiner playing uh, Standard, you know, I went in the next morning and bought a record by a local Brisbane band. And when you started playing music yourself and you started the go-betweens with Grant McLennan, uh, yeah. did you find that Triple Z were, were supportive of your band as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very supportive. That was great. We did an interviews on the station. And also, at that time, um, there, there was a Triple Z. Um, Triple Z was, was, was very uh, central for a number of reasons outside of music as well, because at the at the 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 offices there for Triple Z, there were two guys, one called David Darling, another guy called Peter Williamson, who were booking bands, mainly from interstate, because on campus at that time were, were these events called um, joint efforts, so that they were where there'd be a number of bands, some of them like in the late 70s from Sydney and Melbourne, had come up and play with one or two Brisbane bands. And so there'd be like a five or six um, or four or five, six band bill held at the campus um, at, at UQ. And and these were huge. Thousands of people used to come um, to these, these things. They're pretty, you know, like wild and spectacular events. Um, bigger private events from Brisbane because um, this was outside the the sort of old boys rock and roll circuit that sort of existed in Brisbane. This was like coming off out of four triple Z and, and these two guys that were booking the bands. And so, you know, like Grant and I used to go, go to them and, and we got booked as well for some shows by, by David Darling and Peter Williamson's. And also four triple Z was really good because that also publicize a show. So if you are playing anywhere in Brisbane, you know, like it didn't have to be, at four, you know, like a four triple Z um, sponsored or organised gig, but if you're playing anywhere, you could sort of get word through to the station, and they'd do a roundup, and people really did listen and, and just sort of go find out what was happening on you know Friday or Saturday night through the station, and then come to <clears throat> shows. So, and as I said, we we were played a lot on the station, so. Um, it was, you know, like very, very good, very supportive. Now, I, I do have to ask because I did find in the Fortable Z archives one day uh, an interview that Lindy Morrison from the Go Betweens did with Fortable Z around. 1982 or 83, I think it is. Oh, right. And it's uh, it's quite a contentious interview because um, between both her and the. Uh, the fairly lackadaisical interviewer on the Triple Z part, because it seems that there was some sort of politics or bad blood with some elements at Triple Z at one point who I think perhaps didn't like the direction that the band went. Were you ever aware of any factionalism or something of a pro-go-betweens and an anti-go-betweens faction at the station? No, not um, not really um, from um, my point of view. I mean... The the only thing I can um, add to that, which I think I think is is you know like this this might be some sort of background or or just add to the understanding of this interview, um, which I I I haven't heard. Mm. Um, but at the time, and and to an extent through the eighties, there was a sort of there were sort of two sides 
two sides of an argument or two sides, um, two views to a particular issue. And that was the fact that the Gover twins had left town, you know, mm. that, that we'd decided that we'd um, gone down to Melbourne to live for about six months at the end of 1981. And then we'd gone over to London because, you know, like no one in the country was offering us an album deal and we got offered an album deal um, by a label in London called Rough Trade, you know, to make a, an album called Before Hollywood. And, and there's a single on it called Catelyn Kane. And, and we sort of came back to Australia in 1983 and did a tour. So this could be on that tour that Lindy did this interview. Um, so we sort of would have been coming back from London um, for an Australian tour and maybe this person, you know, like, um, and I'm just guessing here, mm. somehow this, this, why didn't you stay in Brisbane? Why did you go away? Um, um, argue, not argument, but just sort of points of view came up. Um, but that was a sort of, there, there was two sides to that, um, like a feeling that you're somehow betraying the city or betraying the scene and you should stay here. And the background to that is also the political situation, you know, the JLQ Peterson government is plays a part in that, obviously. But, but you know, like, we, we were just a, 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 you know, you could just play so many times in Brisbane and there was just so many opportunities in Brisbane and we just had to go, you know, like a lot of other bands did it as well, you know, like moved down to Sydney or, or you know, tried their luck somewhere else. It was just something that we felt that we had to do what we wanted to do and um so that could be some sort of background to this scott i really don't know yeah yeah it must have been very difficult especially at the time with as you say the limited opportunities available in brisbane and who's to say like whether the the go-betweens would have the stature they do today if they had stayed around or if they hadn't had those you know opportunities you did to go to europe and record there and all that yeah yeah and and i agree and you know Grant and I were writing lots of songs. And so how do you get those songs recorded? You know, how how do you get them pressed onto vinyl? You know, like there just wasn't the the resources in Brisbane to do that. It, you know, like there was no pressing plant in Brisbane. There was, you know, there, there wasn't much infrastructure. And so we we just knew that, that, that we had to, to do that. And also Grant and I had already been over to... You know, at the end of '79, Grant and I, 1979, Grant and I went over to um, the UK, and we we ended up on the Postcard label and made a record for Postcard. So we already done this before Lindy was in there doing the interview with Triple Z in 1983. You know, like this was the second time round. You know, and our first time over there, we'd end up on Postcard. So that was incredible. So, and the second time we're over, we'd we'd made before Hollywood this album um so both times it had worked for us and the idea of staying in brisbane and foregoing that just just didn't seem reasonable to us so uh skipping forward a bit when you returned to live in brisbane uh in the 1990s after you know living in in a german farmhouse for a couple of years yeah and and you got back together with grant and formed, I suppose, phase two of the band with Adele and Glenn. Were you still kind of switched on to what Triple Z was doing? Did you notice anything? Because, I mean, the city of Brisbane had changed by then. Did you notice that uh, Triple yeah. Z was different as well? Uh, well, well, for Triple Z, I think by that time it moved out off campus. Um, 
because I can remember going to it, you know, like at its current address there on the edge of the valley. Um, my my connection with 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 Triple Z was was probably its strongest in the late seventies, um, and and this is not when the go between started, which was in early seventy eight, which intent which meant that we're actually going into the station and doing interviews and dropping our record off and doing all of that sort of which we would have had to have done. We'd have had to drive out to Triple Z and hand our record over. You know, like there was no services um, at that, and so. And so that started in 78. But as I said to you before, my connection to the station went as a listener from like 75, 76, 77. I was just pure listener. Um, and so in the early 90s, like 92, when I came back here and, and started working with, well, before Glenn and uh, uh, Adele, I was working with Glenn and, and members of like David McCormack from Custard. Um, in like recording and playing, Brisbane had changed a great deal. Um, obviously, the Bajoki Peterson regime uh, was thankfully gone, and you know, there's places like the zoo that had opened up that was just unthinkable in the late 70s or 80s just unthinkable that two young women could get a space in like a really great space and be putting on um, gigs and running it fairly and being really generous and, and again, supportive of the bands like like the zoo was, you know. And there was just, and, and also I was socializing and playing with, with Custard and they, this was a whole other generation. And like, they were like, you know, oh, Brisbane's great. Yeah, love it, man. You know, like they didn't have any of that baggage mm-hmm. from the 80s or the 70s. And so I just ran fresh into these early 20 year olds who were like Triple Z was playing them, Triple J was playing them, and they had no intention of moving down to Sydney. You know, um, they were like, "Yeah, we can make it all work out of Brisbane, and Brisbane's a great place to live. Brisbane's a great place to be in a band, and we're just rocking around the suburbs, writing songs, having fun, playing gigs, you know, high on life." You know, so this was a real, uh, you know, like change to see. You know, to experience for me with this this new generation. Let's talk about this gig that we are featuring uh, on Live Delay. Uh, what can you tell me about this night at the Old Museum? Um, the this night at the Old Museum, which was in July 2019, was a very very special, very special night. The first thing was we got the right venue. The old museum. I played at a few other places before, you know, like on bigger Brisbane shows that I've done over the last, say, 10 years. And, you know, and I liked, you know, some of the places I played, but I didn't think, you know, like it was just exactly king right. And so I, I'd been to see some things at the old museum. I liked it, and I just suggested to my manager that I think this could be, a, you know, like a really good place to do the Brisbane show of the we're promoting um, my my new album which is obviously my latest album Inferno um, so to play the the Old Museum as soon as I walked on stage as soon as I had the sound check and you know like looking back immediately at the gig at the end of the night the venue was exactly right for what the show was and what I wanted to do 
it was July, which means people were in jumpers, people were in long trousers. You know, it was winter Brisbane, which we all know is the best time to be in the city. So the audience were rugged up and in a good mood, which is perfect. And we'd also, which is very important, we'd done some shows. Brisbane wasn't the first night of the tour. So we'd already played Sydney and Melbourne and, you know, some regional shows. So we we were well rehearsed. So we felt confident as well. And um, it was just a, a magic, magic night. And I'm so thrilled that 4ZZZ have recorded this because it's a great show. It's a beautiful room. So, like, the recording is of very high quality. And it just catches the band on the night in, in top form. And can you tell me about who was in your band on this particular night? Um, uh, okay. On bass and guitar was Scott Bromley. And on bass and guitar was Luke McDonald. They sort of swapped the, the bass and guitar a little bit. Both of those musicians were in a band called the John Steele Singers. Yes who I met in about 2000, I'm guessing here, seven, eight, six, um, and who I like very much and I, who I became friends with. And I, I produced them as well. I produced an album of theirs. And so Scott and Luke, both, both of them worked, recorded with me on Songs to Play, which is my album before Inferno. And Scott came over to Berlin and recorded with me on um, on Inferno. So that's them. On violin is Karen Boimler, um, who um, played on... Uh, and uh, played violin and sings and played um, glockenspiel. And she played on Songs to Play and is on the, was in Berlin and on the recording of Inferno. So all of these people have recorded with me over the last two albums. And on drums was um, Al. And Al is a young musician who I'm, I met. I've met his, I, I, I keep meeting successive generations of young Brisbane musicians. So, you know, like it goes from, um, you know, the late 70s to the early 90s with the sort of, Custard um, Gang, and then goes to Glenn and Dell, and then goes to the John Steel Singers, and then Al is a um, a friend. He plays in bands around town, and I met him through uh, my son Lewis, who plays in a band called the, the Goon Sacks. And so Al is a, a part of. Uh, he's playing a band. Uh, I still does called Pious Faults. They're a Brisbane band. They're a great band. I saw them play at the Junk Bar, and um, they were really a really great band, very unique. They did like a four-song set that went for about thirty-five minutes. They were they were really good, and and it was just like seeing Al play that really sort of put in my head that 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 he would be good for the Australian tour. He was twenty. You know, like when he was probably he probably still is twenty. Um, oh no, he's probably twenty-one. Um, and so he's on drums. 
great drummer. And so that's um, that's the band. So, uh, Robert, do you, do you still see a place for community radio stations like 4ZZZ, uh, even in even though the world has changed a lot in the last 40 years? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, I've been in contact and done interviews on many community radio stations overseas and in Australia, you know, like Triple R and PBS in Melbourne. Uh, there's, there's ones in Sydney, FBI, is that FBI, right? yep, that's one. Um, so, and, and them, you know, like obviously gone to a lot of college radio stations in, um, United States and, uh, so yeah, definitely. I think more so, I, I think, uh, because, you know, like in a vague way, very vague way, community radio stations are a little bit like record shops, you know, cause there's, there's the playing of music, which is one thing. But there's also the community centres, you know, like for musicians and people involved with sound, um, people that want to be involved with the management and the running of the station. And often, you know, like people from any of that, you know, like people that are on air, people that are off air, then go off and do other things, you know. And so, you know, community radio stations is is a place you can work, but also work and then go off onto. But, you know, like they're community spaces. And I think in this world where everything is online, that physical proximity and physical interaction and meeting meeting places is, is perhaps even more important than it's ever been. Well, Robert, thank you so much for talking to us on Live Delay today, and thank you very much for letting us share this wonderful set of yours from the old museum. Scott, look, thank you, and and as I say, like, thank you very much for for Triple Z for recording the show, and you know, supporting um, Brisbane music for forty five years so well, and yeah, and thank you for your patience and with with getting all of this together, and. You know, like I'm just also, you know, like now that I will stop talking eventually, but now, now that this this show has even more value because I don't know when it's going to happen again that, you know, we're going to get four or 500 people in a room and a band and do this again. So I don't know when that's going to happen, but it's a long way in the future. So that we've actually got this on tape and it's going out is just fantastic.